Welcome back, everyone, to episode 19 of No Wristbands, We Drink for Free. I'm Papa Novak here with my co-host, Mark Joyner. We are super stoked to have Johnny Marriott from the UK punk band Pet Needs on the show today. Pet Needs has just returned home from a long U.S. tour with Frank Turner. We talk about that incredible experience, as well as their first album, Fractured Party People, and their new one due out in September called Primetime Entertainment. Thanks for listening today, and don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at No Wristbands. You can also check out our album reviews and show previews on our website, NoWristbands.com. Here we go. Welcome to the uh, latest episode of No Wristbands. We drink for free. This is Papa Novak and my uh, co-host Mark Joyner here. And hello, hello. Uh, we are totally excited today to have Johnny from Pet Needs, uh, UK band. And uh, this is going to be a great one. How are you doing, Johnny? I'm good, mate. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing? Uh, awesome. Awesome. This is exciting. Um, why don't we just start out with uh, you telling us about how the band started? Yeah, sure. So uh, Pet Needs was set up by uh, me and my little brother, George, uh, when he came uh, down from the Midlands where we were both born to sleep on my sofa in Essex. He was working in an overnight garage and he just got out of a long term relationship um, and he kind of decided that he just wanted to have a fresh start. And I said, look, I've got space on my sofa. Come down and we'll just have fun. And at the time he was in like a garage rock band and I was doing um, kind of folky kind of acoustic music. Um, and then he came and lived with me and we both had guitars. We both love punk music and we started writing songs. And that was um, just over six years ago. Um, oh, wow. And now and now here we are, you know, so it's cool. Um, had you guys ever, I mean, obviously you grew up together, spent a lot of time around each other. Had you ever dabbled in playing music together before this? Yeah, so when I was, uh, uh, I think about 17, and George was about 14 years old, 15 years old, um, we formed a like riot girl punk band, um, nice. fronted by uh, fronted by one of our friends, Charlie, um, kind of uh, like influenced by kind of like Bikini Kill and X-Ray Specs mm-hmm. and people like that. Sure, um, great band. And did all right in the kind of like Midlands kind of old school punk scene. There's a lot of kind of like old school punk bands hanging around that area. Um, but then I went down to university and then after that, the kind of like bands, it never officially split up, uh, but it kind of, we kind of went our different ways. And then um, a few years ago, which was really weird because we hadn't seen the singer since uh, the band we kind of stopped gigging. Uh, we did a ten-year reunion, uh, which was really bizarre. Oh, we all awesome. kind of like just went into the practice room <laughs> together and all were like, "Oh, hi! Like, how's how's the last decade been?" <laughs> uh, but it was cool. It was cool, and you could still kind of uh, hear the ads in the music we write now. So, um, we definitely uh, know how to play our instruments a bit better. Uh, did you guys still feel that spark? Like, did it feel very natural aside from like, hey, how you been the past 10 years? Like, <laughs> did you flow back into everything really easily? Yeah, 100%. And I, it was great because it was the first time uh, my wife, Lorna, she uh, never saw the band live, but she'd like listen to us, like listen to old recordings. Um, and she just completely fell in love with our front woman who was like this kind of stompy kind of ragdoll kind of character. <laughs> um, I don't even know who to compare her to really. She was amazing. She's so unique. I don't even know if she does music anymore. Um, so it was kind of, we just fell straight back into it. She was a really, really, really big personality. Um, and I think one of the reasons that we kind of stopped doing stuff is that she was a kind of a quite a demanding presence kind of in and outside the practice <laughs> yeah. room. And we haven't really, uh, like we haven't kept in contact since either. We kind of all met up. We reached out. She reached out to us and said, look, you know, it's 10 years since we started. Should we do something? And we did. And we had such a um amazing night it was such a fun night but then we kind of haven't really kept in contact since then maybe a maybe the 20 year reunion yeah Uh so you just got a little longer to wait so for those of us not from the uk when you say the midlands are we talking like leicester birmingham are we talking deeper in their smaller towns where where are we talking so um i was born in nottingham uh, so that's kind of like i don't know 30 40 miles from leicester um, and then I grew up in a town or a city called Derby, 
which is maybe kind of like 10 miles from Nottingham. And that's where me and George grew up. And uh, it's kind of an all right place because Nottingham's quite kind of like cultural. You get all the bands and everything come through mm-hmm. Nottingham. You had to kind of form your own scene in Derby, which is why there was lots of uh, kind of DIY punk music. And I think mm-hmm. the Midlands especially, I live in Essex now, which is like um, the east of England. Uh, where there's less of a punk scene in the same way, but up in the Midlands and the further north you go, um, the more the scene is really punk and especially kind of like really uh, really old school punk as well. They do these things called um, punks picnics where they're outdoor festivals where you've kind of like got guys with the big Mohicans and stunning mm-hmm. jackets and stuff. <laughs> cool. And that's where I grew up. That's where I cut my teeth. <laughs> so, that's yeah, awesome. That's awesome. Um, how do so, you think growing up there influenced uh, your music? um i don't know i think we i started gigging there so my cat's just walked in the room <laughs> i'm just i'm just gonna chuck her out quickly oh, take your time there we go um yeah so i started gigging um in these little punk venues um three days after i bought my first bass and so like in the uh, interim between school and college so about 16 years old I got my first job working in a record shop and I worked for two months and then got my first pay packet and I'd never had more than kind of 10 pounds to my name ever um and I went and spent it all on a bass guitar and a bass <laughs> amp and a distortion pedal and then on the Saturday um I formed a band with some friends and we wrote loads of songs and then we did our first gig on the Monday night and what the kind of punk scene in Derby did was really allow you to uh take loads of risks and uh not really care um at that time is that kind of like real true kind of old school punk and i like there wasn't really as many video cameras like camera phones around at that time but i reckon we sounded pretty terrible but i think what it did was just give us the (laughs) opportunity to just go up and go and go and go and go and go um and then there was uh we ended up uh getting management and stuff and uh we were like kind of 16 17 years old and our manager would turn up in the van and we'd get in the van and then we'd kind of go up north and play kind of like around yorkshire and stuff and uh play with like old school punk bands like kind of anti-nowhere league and uk subs and stuff um and then when we stopped playing together and i was about 19 i'd gone to university and i was down university in norwich which is in the east and my brother was uh kind of staying in here in derby We'd formed a separate bands doing separate stuff. Um, and then we realized how hard it was to be in a band because we were like, <laughs> well, where's the guy booking us the gigs? And where's the band to take us to gigs and stuff? And like, oh, good, we've got to order our own merch and none of us have any money to do any of this. Uh-huh. Uh, so it kind of, uh, it was really nice to have that support really early. Um, and then we had about 10 years of both kind of like uh, trying to try to do it ourselves uh, to not very much avail. We had loads of fun times. Uh, and that's why I kind of started getting into acoustic music as well, because, um, well, like, a big reason, because it's cheaper and you can just mm-hmm. go, you can take right. your acoustic guitar and even if we play ratty punk songs, you can just turn up at a festival and you don't have to yeah. kind of fly a drunk kit <laughs> sure. anywhere or any of that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was a cool place to grow up for that reason. Definitely. So aside from uh, from you and George in the band, you've got Rich on bass and Jack on drums. Were were when you originally formed Pet Needs, were they right there from the start? Was it just the four of you, or uh, how'd that go? No, so Jack is our third drummer, okay, and um, Rich is our second bass player. Um, so our first year was um, quite chaotic. We had a um, Brazilian guy called Wagner on drums um and he was he's really into hardcore punk and he had real kind of like punk ethics um and we were uh playing a few gigs but uh like with any new band you your set is really short um so we had kind of like maybe six or seven songs so we thought what we'll do is we'll throw in a jamie t cover as well uh this song called brand new bass guitar um and our drummer was so kind of hardcore that he kind of he liked the song and we kind of like played it, but he didn't realize it was a cover and we went and played it live. And then someone came up to him and said, Oh, that cover you played was really good. Um, and then he quit the band on the spot. That guy's a punk. Awesome. Like, I don't do covers, man. And he's just like, yeah, <laughs> that is so awesome. Oh, yeah, my yeah. God. 
He's still, I still see him now, and he's still kind of, he's in a um, hardcore punk band. He sings for a hardcore punk band called uh, Tropical Nightmare now, um, who are good, and they kind of like tour Europe and stuff, yeah. which is cool. Um, yeah. And then we had another little drummer for a while, but it didn't work out. And then like we got Jack through uh, kind of putting an advert out, and that was exactly the same way that we met Rich as well. Rich has only been mm-hmm. in the band. He was in the band maybe, like, I think it was less than a year before lockdown happened. Okay. Um, and then so things were just starting to build and it felt like we had the lineup in. Um, and then lockdown hit and everything was taken away, which is, uh, yeah, really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How'd you, so walk us through that. What was it like navigating those wires? I mean, unprecedented. People love saying un- unprecedented, but how did you, how did you manage all that? Like, did you spend a lot of time writing? Like, what did that process look like for you, for you and the band? Yeah, it was um, strange because we just had, like gigs in the UK in January are always kind of notoriously really poorly attended. It's like kind of like post Christmas and mm-hmm. like everyone's doing dry January and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, so we'd had a run of re- like really disheartening gigs where we were traveling kind of uh, quite far uh, to play to like a handful of disinterested people. Um, and at the same time, I was uh, working at a student's union, putting events on at a student's union. Um, and my job and being in the band were kind of similar uh, in the way that you're doing something really creative and you're working towards a big moment and then you'll do the big moment and you'll see it happen, whether it's performing or whether it's kind of like putting on a big event. Um, and at the time, because we were getting a bit disheartened with the band, um, I was getting so much of that kind of like fulfillment out, out of putting on other events where I was having other acts play and stuff. Um, so I had to kind of uh, walk with my brother and I said, I think this might be the last year that we do the bands if we don't see anything kind of pick up because I'm kind of really enjoying work. Um, and then lockdown hit and work was taken away and mm-hmm. band was taken away. And the way that my personality works, I always want to be working towards the next thing and towards the next thing. Um, and so me and my brother at the start, when you couldn't meet up, we were talking over Zoom like this. And then um, when you could meet up physically, we we're kind of going for socially distant walks together. And we said, look, we've got enough songs. Why don't we just try write an album? Because we never released anything on vinyl at all. And that for me, it would be uh, something that I could be really proud of, something really mm-hmm. tangible. Yeah. Um, and so we decided to release an album or write an album at least. And then one thing led to another and it got picked up by a record label. Um, and then our record label kind of said, look, we're going to try and get you on these big tours. Um, and you couldn't really comprehend what that was going to be like, because we'd just been like our last run of gigs were so poor. We'd played some really good local shows beforehand, but uh, mm-hmm. they were so poor. Um, and then when things lifted, uh, one of the first shows we played uh, with, with Frank Turner at uh, Manchester Apollo, and it's just three and a half thousand people. And I think that was wow. more people than we'd ever played in front of, like ever. <laughs> Literally, yeah. All Only in about, one room. Combined. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it was so weird. And I think the weirdest thing was that I was kind of, I'm used to it now, but I was talking between songs and you don't realize when you're talking, if everyone's listening, that's three and a half thousand people all giving you eye contact. And that's the weirdest <laughs> thing in the world. You just see like, what, 7,000 eyes all looking at you at the same time. Uh, yeah, so it's quite a trip. Like I know um, I've got friends in bands and friends are in amazing bands that kind of gave up over lockdown. And I think there's, you kind of went one or two ways. Like mm-hmm. I've also got friends in bands that have come out of lockdown a million times more determined. Mm-hmm. um so yeah i think it affected everyone differently but uh we kind of entered lockdown uh a kind of uh a band's like on the edge really and now we've left uh doing it professionally so it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah, kind of worked out yeah how did you I, get I feel, uh, so lucky i'm sorry uh how did you get hooked up with a record label like how did that process work just somebody saw you guys and was like hey you want to be on our label so it was through uh, this guy called Frank Turner, who's how I met Tom as well. Was that a Frank Turner mm-hmm. gig? I've, I've we, heard of him. Into... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's cool. He's cool. But he came to one of our shows in London, like a, a 200 cap kind of punk venue. Um, and like, kind of, we saw a silhouette in the door, which was very tall and vaguely Frank Turner shaped. And <laughs> I knew that he lived locally. And I kind of said to George, is that, because we were big fans as well it's like is that frank turner over there and then it was and he kind of came to the merch desk and we exchanged emails um 
And then things kind of went quiet. And then when lockdown hit, um, I got an email from Frank and a drop in our inbox. It just had the title Essex, uh, which is where I live now. And I was like, okay, this is a bit weird. And then I thought it's definitely <laughs> like a scam email. It turned, turned out to be real. Um, and it said, uh, hey, Johnny, uh, weird one, but I'm actually moving kind of around the corner from you. And I don't know anyone in Essex. Um, if you ever want to meet up for a pint when everything's over and we can do it, um, like, I'd love to. And I was like, well, yeah, yeah sure, man. Like, I was a bit kind of overwhelmed by it. But yeah, yeah, how do you play that cool? <laughs> yeah, it was it was so weird. Um, but then... Uh, he was said like um what have you been doing over lockdown and i was like oh well we've just recorded an album and then he was like that's really interesting because i've just been getting into production and mixing and mastering um and then one thing led to another and he ended up mixing the album for us um and then he sent it to the record label that he was signed to extra mile recordings um and i thought at the time they might kind of put it out as a favor to him or something but then we had the head of the label ring me up and I had my sales pitch ready going, look, if we can get it out of vinyl, this would be amazing. But then he kind of was just gushing about it and like um, he loved it. And now uh, like basically the head of the label is our manager as well. Like he manages oh, wow. us and he manages a band called Skinny Lister and he manages Frank. Um, and it's just it's just kind of built from there, really, mm -hmm. uh, which is cool. And now it's got to the point where we got signed straight away for a second album. And uh, the second album is coming out uh on the 9th of september yeah september so 9th. really really soon Prime yeah, time yeah. entertainment yep that's the one man that's that's the one. yeah that's yeah. awesome yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it for, for those cool. listeners that don't know the first album is fractured party music so mm. which is a great one yeah i was listening to it yeah, today. Oh, thanks man. great stuff great yep. stuff um how does your songwriting process work is it like communal do you bring stuff to them does somebody bring stuff to you how mm. does that all work out um, it's usually literally in this room. I'm sitting in my spare room at the moment, the room where it surrounds, surrounded by merchandise. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and it's in this room where I'm just sitting with a battered up acoustic guitar. Um, and I get kind of the raw structure of a song down. So I kind of um, get the lyrics and get the melody. And I just start with the first word of the first verse and just run into the distance. Um, and then when an idea has a little bit kind of um, more weight to it, I then send it to my brother, who's the lead guitarist, and he's really good at kind of like arranging and production and stuff. Um, and then he'll either tell me if it's good or if it's not. Um, <laughs> and so, like, he's very honest. Um, As only then, a brother uh, could be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then if it is good enough, I'll pop around his house and he's got a little home studio and we'll start demoing up. Um or we'll just bring it straight to the practice uh, room as well. But it's usually it's kind of like starts with an idea in this room. Then we'll go to my brother's spare room and kind of flesh it out. Um, and then when we get into the practice room, I kind of step away from it, to be honest, uh, because I think I've got a knack for melody and for lyrics, but it's the other boys in the band that are the great musicians. And they mm -hmm. kind of take this uh, idea of a song and just kind of really, really grow it. And that's one thing um, my uh, partner, Lorna, like popped in on a band practice once and she was really expecting me to be like the dictator in the room. And it was <laughs> she was so surprised about how much I kind of like just stand back. And it's my brother who was definitely the dictator in the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, like awesome. even though I may be older, he's the alpha here, right? Yeah. Um, in that specific context. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Can't let him have too much credit. Yeah. So well, he, he, he's he's the guitar virtuoso. Yeah. Yeah, That's he's awesome. amazing. Yes, yeah, he's yes. fantastic. Yeah. Um, so when do you, you just went on tour with Frank Turner, or we'll, yeah. we'll call him Frank here. Um, you went on tour with Frank across the United States. When did you, for those not in the know, Papa, you tell him. What the store is all about yeah yeah yeah. Uh, frank was doing 50 states uh, uh 50 shows in 50 states in 50 days and so some a, a few of those were frank doing acoustic or duo shows but pet needs was there pretty much for the whole thing so so how many states did you guys hit and how many uh, how many shows did you end up playing 
so um we played 34 with frank and then we played uh, one solo show um about one in the morning at a bar <laughs> owned by the bronx as well uh, <laughs> i mean one headline show sorry not solo yeah. show um and then we worked out that we hit 47 states nice. uh, so we've gone through 47 states yeah um which means that we need to get to like hawaii and stuff at some point so we can take them <laughs> off the list right um but it was amazing it was uh it was we've never toured for two months before we've done a few weeks but like we've never toured for two months and it was weird it, because it, you landed and you had never been to the u.s no that's it yeah that's it so we, we'd never been to the u.s we'd never toured for that amount of time and it's weird because you just like got into such a routine but like you were like kind of one week in and you couldn't even kind of uh comprehend what seven weeks time was going to be like you could have made it until you were about kind of maybe five weeks in because i thought you could get to halfway and then it'd be like oh i can see like how long i've got left now but by the time you got to halfway i couldn't remember what was four weeks ago so you're not just kind of like in the middle of it yeah um, but it was amazing the u.s audiences are fantastic and welcomed us with open arms and you could kind of I know tom you were at a few shows i could kind of see kind of how word was spreading about us as an opening band yes. as well and uh, speaking about chicago the chicago show especially i think that all kind of like slotted into place and it was amazing because we had essentially an unknown band before we got here right um, and now it's kind of just seems to be building and building over here which is so exciting mm -hmm. that's that's amazing when did you get tapped like when did frank tip you off like hey i'm gonna do this thing like how long out far out was this for you yeah so when we were recordings we recorded album two uh last november in frank's studio and he kind of offered us uh, a uk tour first um which was going to be in january and february of um like this year um it got postponed and we're actually going out in a few weeks to do it um and then it's kind of uh one thing just kind of like led to the next thing led to the next and the rest of the stuff kind of like he kind of like offered that outright and then the next stuff was like um we share an agent so everything kind of like came through agents and stuff but we then got the uh uh european tour and then it was really weird because we were really pleased with getting the european tour and if anyone had said you're going to go on a, a like uk and european tour with an amazing artist and play these huge rooms but then we've got the taste for it and we knew that he was going to go and do an american tour as well we're like oh, come on, come on. Um, like, and yeah it came through the offer came through which was awesome Sweet. um and yeah it's, it's been amazing so like yeah we've done so much we did a yeah massive uh your well not comparatively massive but we did a four-week european tour and mm -hmm. then came out and did the eight weeks in america which is cool and then we're doing uh four weeks in the uk as well uh which is gonna be really fun so uh, so you've been on machine at this point you you've been on tours with some other bands uh you know how, what's frank like when you're on tour when you're a supporting band for for his show he's really cool and i think uh the biggest thing uh that he, like kind of like uh the biggest support that he gave us was he was um shouting about us from the stage every single night and pushing mm -hmm. um, yes pushing people to come to our merch desk as well because like if no one had bought merch on that tour, Gosh. we'd lost about £35,000 yeah. uh, just on the tour, just being the first band over. We had to do like so much merch on it just because first band over and like budgets are so tight. Um, yeah. And the support that he gave guy pushing people to the merchandise was amazing. Um, but then with Frank, it's not just um, Frank that makes the tour the tour. Like he's like a really, really good friend of mine now and a lovely man, but the whole of his crew um mm -hmm. are amazing and i think they understand that um we're really new to this as well and i understand that we're doing it really diy so everyone else is in tour buses because we were touring a band called the bronx as well who were mm -hmm. equally as cool um and so they'd finish and they'd get in their tour bus and drive up and then we'd go to a hotel and we the next day we'd be like chasing the tour bus in our little van <laughs> like going mm -hmm. to the next show um but just they've been uh just amazing both bands with kind of the advice they've given us and just like really really looked out for us um and just made everything kind of as easy as possible really um and i've learned so much from touring with both bands both about how to tour well and how to kind of like negotiate with promoters and stuff mm -hmm. venues um 
but also um, just learned so much performance-wise as well. I think both Matt from the Bronx and um, Frank, uh, just both very, very different, but very both incredible front mm-hmm. people. And I think half the battle, especially as a support band, is um, the things that you say between the songs as much as the songs themselves are just kind of like getting that energy and winning people over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Frank continues, I was uh, around his house the other day, and he continues to work behind the scenes trying to push us, and he's talking to other bands and other promoters at the mm-hmm. moment trying to kind of like sure. get us out to them for the next stage of the journey so yeah uh so grateful to him you know yeah it's awesome yeah good well, to have uh, a friend like that yeah 100 yeah. percent. uh one of the so cool. you you, you kind of reference it there but one of the things that i wanted to ask you about and you can you know you can answer as much of this as you want but sure. you uh, during the tour uh you, you had posted about the fact that i think it was in seattle w- one of the disturbing trends going on now is uh, some of the venues trying to take a cut of the merch and yeah. um um the ve- venue at seattle i think told you guys we're taking 65 percent of it and th- you know that might not be the norm but it's certainly becoming a bigger problem and with as hard as it is for a band nowadays to make any money to begin with something like that is just devastating so yeah, you're hamstringing them mm, well we'd have been making about uh like 50 cents a t-shirt or something mm-hmm. like that if we'd sell like that we got it we argued it down and got it down right. to 35 percent. the reason they so they had 35 percent charge anyway um which still is a real kind of blow um yeah. when you're especially when you're operating on our level and merchandise sales right. are that they're not just like goods they're essential for mm-hmm. you to be able to afford to get to the next show sure. um and the cost they're saying they're saying some things are kind of taxing some things are venue things and like um but the with the 35 percent, they said it's because we're overseas as well even though we had all the paperwork and everything and mm-hmm. um, we had to, it had to get to the point where um i think it's like a i can't remember it was like a sunday or something or so i remember it was like out of hours anyway we had to get our accountant on the phone or like the records able accountant to talking to the venue wow. um, to try and Jesus. like talk it down. Um, one thing, this is actually something that was really good as well is that um, Frank and his team and especially his merch man, Jamie did mm-hmm. everything that he could to try and make sure that we didn't pay merch fees, um, mm-hmm. which is brilliant. That means that, that we kind of ended up kind of uh, financially stable kind of by the end i mean it was close we didn't break even till um las vegas which is our second to last show wow um but um yeah sometimes you just couldn't get away with it and it's usually kind of like yeah 25 to 35 percent uh that they're taking off you and it's uh i i mean i can't understand it at any level really because people right. are already hiring yeah. the venue they're already getting the beer money the ticket money yeah right like you're that. like give me 25 percent um, of your beer sales right yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. But then I especially can't uh, understand it for a band that's going on first as well, mm-hmm. um, right? Because you you need you need to sell, and we you need to we needed to overperform every single night on merch sales just to break mm-hmm. even. Um, and it's 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 a hard way. It's got a real real kind of like hand to mouth way to live, and then yeah. uh, being told that, and it's always the more kind of corporate venues as well. Like in the sure. UK, we've got um, O2 Academies, which are owned by O2, the massive mm-hmm. phone company. They're, they're the worst for it. They're the worst. Uh-huh. But then there's places that um, yeah are really good as well. And there seems to be more of a movement at the moment. It's getting more and more high profile, this issue. Right. Um, and it seems to be a movement of venues signing up, saying that they're going to not kind of charge artists right. to sell, yeah. which would yeah. be cool. Uh, but right. yeah, it's it's hard. It's really like really really hard and also it just kind of like i think it's it's, it's bad for art as well because so many mm-hmm. bands are just going to fold before they sure. even start yeah um, and, it, and it just puts a bad taste in your mouth like you're up there to perform now you're thinking like fuck this place like your mm-hmm. head's not in the right place to go out there and perform or like you're not totally focused on it i would imagine yeah, yeah that's it that's it it's yeah, yeah it is uh it is hard but i think it's hopefully things are going to change and things yeah. are going to get a little bit better i'm prepared for it more this time it was weird because we did a tour of europe like uh like um in germany and france and italy and stuff and i think this happened maybe twice mm-hmm. um but it was kind of like it seems to happen a lot more in the us i know it's going to happen a lot more in the uk as well um 
and it's just going to devastate bands like before mm-hmm, they've yep. even started it's already so hard to try and make a living at this level um and me and my brother kind of committed to giving ourselves a year of just trying to do it professionally mm-hmm. and it's the happiest we've ever been because we get to be creative every day um i'm mm. going on loads of adventures but then financially of course it's the hardest it's ever been right. as well because yeah. you don't get that payday um so yeah. yeah having people actively taking money from you <laughs> at that time is yeah challenging right. you know man yeah um, and it, you- it, as you as you noted like you know if you're a folk performer you're you're on the road by yourself you've only got one mouth to feed all of that it's a whole mm-hmm. lot easier so like um um as you know i'm a i'm a big will varley fan you know yeah. will will and a full band in the uk is awesome but if he comes to the us he almost never has a full band it's usually just him by himself because it's so expensive to come over sure. here and and tour so you know it's unfortunate yeah a hundred percent um but then uh, Will on his own is amazing as well. Oh, of course, <laughs> like, of course. Yeah. Like, I, I used to, when I was doing acoustic stuff, um, I used to go see Will kind of touring around the local area to like playing in pubs to 40 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and he like, that was always a solo. And uh, yeah, it just works. It, like it works so beautifully. I've never actually seen him with a band. I must have seen him like 20 times or something because awesome. we were kind of on the same scene operating kind of around each other and playing a few shows together mm-hmm. um and he uh you could tell that he always had something different like mm-hmm. he, he'd go on and like um we'd be going on and playing our kind of like ratty acoustic songs and then he'd play like <laughs> weddings and wars or something mm-hmm. and like the yes. pub, would, pub would just fall <laughs> silent and it was yeah it was amazing he, yes. he also had such a good way of um kind of like he had kind of like comedy songs and stuff and mm-hmm. had such a good way of engaging a drunken rabble of like right. 40 people like drinking real ale in an english pub yes. and then once he's got their attention he'll just make the pub just fall silent as he plays mm-hmm. his beautiful songs sure. uh, yeah uh, he's a good yeah. man i've not it's... seen him for quite a while now but he's lovely awesome uh what was the most or like what are some of like the more surprising things you you experienced discovered about the u.s like having not been here before were you like that's what i expected or, or was it different <laughs> you know i mean you were like everywhere right so right everywhere. what was that experience like it was uh it, it was just so much to take in like so like it's so um i think my favorite like we drove through yellowstone national park oh, um, yeah. which was just breathtakingly beautiful it was like kind of like jurassic park or something <laughs> we were driving through these massive hills and that was amazing um I don't know if anything kind of like really surprised me in any way because we've grown up with American culture sure. in uh, in England. It's kind of uh, we are so engrossed in it and like uh, we love. I think there's a lot of kind of like uh, Anglophiles in the US that kind of like love England and like we True. just love America as well. We grew up kind of like watching Friends and like The Fresh Prince and The Simpsons <laughs> and stuff. Um, and so it did feel quite a lot. Um, like being in a film sometimes um especially kind of with everybody's accents um kind of we've not really come across american accents in that way before and especially once you were in it um it kind of yeah did feel a little bit like living in a film but i think Mm -hmm. (laughs) probably the weirdest the most overwhelming thing that happens i wasn't surprised um it was kind of as expected but it was um i never thought i was going to do it and it was really overwhelming kind of experience is well we played in florida and then the day after someone messaged me saying um i really enjoyed the show last night uh by the way um i work at disney world and i can get you free tickets to disney World if you want to go <laughs> and we were like uh yeah can we do it now and then suddenly she came to pick us up um in the car and we were suddenly at disney world and it's, it's a really weird because we had no time to mentally prepare and then everything's <laughs> kind of like really overwhelming but really cool and then we were suddenly in the queue for a ride that well we got a queue jump so we're at the front of the ride getting onto a ride when i sat on the ride and thought wait a sec like one i haven't been on a roller coaster for about 15 years and two i've got <laughs> no idea what this thing does at all and it ended up kind of like dropping us backwards and looping around and like going in the dark and stuff um so yeah that was really a overwhelming but I, f- I find them yeah the nature here like so beautiful like that was amazing but also i think uh 
had to consciously make time to get out in nature as well because mm-hmm. i found kind of like um because we were driving from city to city to city to city um i could feel like everything was quite kind of on top of me sometimes like everything's kind of like quite loud and i live uh like i live in the middle of a town now but it's nothing like living in a u.s town it's kind of like sure. everything's kind of small and quaint <laughs> in comparison <laughs> um and that's one thing we did in chicago is um we stayed is it called wrigleyville is mm-hmm. it? Is it yes indeed yeah. yeah yeah just on the edge of lake lake michigan we're in wrigley hostel in wrigleyville so we just stayed in a youth hostel um and my brother and i went out and went for a walk around well not all the way around like went walked down uh lake michigan and we jumped in had a swim in there in the fresh water um nice and which warm, is amazing right? yeah oh it was beautiful <laughs> and i think that was some of my favorite times is when we could find times uh to be quiet and to be small and be able to kind of like sure. reflect on all the chaos that was going on. Uh, so yeah, it's cool. We had, it's such a hard question to answer though, because it's I'm still mentally processing everything. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, Hey, sure. I think you did a great job answering. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> what were some of the highlights from shows? Did any shows stand out to you? Uh, you know, I know Papa here, he's being, he's being a little coy. He went to what? How many shows? Well, I went to 14 of the Frank shows, yeah. so I saw 14. Pet Needs 11 times. So Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, like, he saw so some cool, cool shit. I'm yeah. sure you saw some amazing shit. What were some highlights along the way? Yeah, sure. Genuinely, gen- like, this is just not just because I'm on this podcast. Um, and I think I've probably already spoken to Tom about this already. <laughs> Chicago was one of the best shows. Yes. Um, in the way that... Um, it was just the reaction of the audience was yeah. amazing, yeah. Like, especially because we're we're like first band on and reaction like it was always because we're playing to a Frank crowd, which are uh, kind of known as being a really good crowd, really open to support acts. It was like we didn't really have a uh, bad show, but um, like that just felt so kind of like warm and the energy was so huge Um had a similar kind of vibe um, in Vegas as well where it felt like a lot of the people that had seen us um, mm-hmm. kind of had traveled out, especially mm-hmm. to that show at the end, sure. uh, which is really cool. And we were really um, kind of confident in our show and we'd kind of like ironed out all the bits that we were a bit anxious about and everything. Um, so that was cool. And then the last show in LA, like the last song of the last show in LA um, was just massively overwhelming. I kind of like had a little cry afterwards because it, <laughs> it was such a... I can only imagine, such a, yeah. It's such a huge thing that we'd done and to get to the last last show uh was yeah just insane like it was amazing and knowing that we were kind of going home to see our partners and see our see our pets mm-hmm. the little cat that was just running around the room earlier <laughs> so, so yeah so it's but the whole thing was amazing the whole great um we played just- in but yeah, go for it, Tom. Uh, uh, just to follow up on the, on like the Chicago thing and the crowds. Like, I, I think my first show was uh, the Maryland show, and when when mm. you got you know as the first band, you guys take the stage. You know, back then it was like three, four, five deep in front, and then a few people mm. standing in the back. You know, by the time you got to Chicago, you know it was like twenty five deep, thirty people deep. Um, you know, the whole the whole floor filled with people. So you know, the word had gotten out get there for the first band so yeah it was so so it it's like real life guitar hero it's so strange <laughs> yeah. uh, like going up the levels every single time yeah that's the thing like i really want to come back and play kind of the ratty punk venues the 200 cat rooms sure. kind of thing that we're doing in the uk now like when we saw um it'll be amazing it'll be amazing we, we want to do it soon uh, uh, and you guys uh, also like each other after the tour do we like each other yeah so it was it was an intense experience and what i was nervous about because we weren't just sharing the van we were all in one room in like two double beds Mm -hmm. um kind of like all sharing so two people to a bed a bit like the grandparents in willy wonka and the chocolate factory (laughs) um which meant that you were like you'd have four of you in a room you'd all be sharing kind of like one shower and one bathroom Mm -hmm. um and i went downstairs one night because i couldn't sleep and i just took a book and went out and sat in the courtyard um somewhere kind of in the deep south and i thought oh my god apart from like going to the loo or having a shower this is the first time that i've been alone <laughs> for like six, six weeks um 
but we did all get on and we did kind of uh really kind of look after each other and i think the biggest thing that i kind of like said to the boys before we went out is something that one of my friends said to me um is is a doctor but kind of like works in like psychiatry and stuff and he said i think the biggest thing that you need to remember is whatever you're feeling and whatever anyone else is feeling in this experience is completely valid so if someone's really missing home or if someone's feeling angry or if someone's feeling stressed out or anxious that's a really valid feeling mm-hmm. also if someone's going this is the best time of my life that's a really valid feeling as well mm-hmm. um as other because sometimes those two things can kind of rub up against each other if someone's feeling really down and stressed and missing home um you kind of want to go yeah but this is an opportunity of a lifetime and don't mm-hmm. waste it sure, kind of thing but sure. then that could kind of rub someone up the wrong way whereas what the best way to go is like i can understand that you're feeling that now and that's kind of a valid feeling and if you want space or if you want to talk about it that's mm-hmm. the way to do it and then exactly the same with someone's going this is like the best experience in the world if someone says to them yeah but aren't you missing home or is that like mm-hmm. it's like no mm-hmm. what their feelings really valid and i went through every single one of those feelings and all of the boys did as well and it's yeah. interesting because we never had a time where all four of us were feeling low but then i think we did have times where all four of us were really happy um but then there was always someone that was like kind of really missing home at a certain point um and the thing that remained consistent was that the places that we felt safest and most kind of like joyous and most confident um was at the shows mm-hmm. like because we knew the crew and we were getting to know kind of members of the crowd like tom as well um <laughs> and it was just um awesome because even though you're yeah. going somewhere kind of new you feel like you're walking into somewhere familiar at the same mm-hmm. time uh so yeah that was great and it was the show's made everything worth it uh, one okay. thing, I, one thing I'll note. Um, I think you, you guys did a bunch of tour diaries, uh, video tour diaries. They're uh, they're up on YouTube, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's our drummer Jack that, uh, yeah. yeah, set all that yeah. up. So people people can go check and get a little taste of what it was like for you guys on the road. So that was cool. A couple other things in regards to the shows. Uh, number one, I have to give a shout out to my my buddy Todd from Ohio because it was his daughter that took you yes. to the to the show to the Disney park so um thanks todd well done todd yes. well done todd um but a, a couple things from 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 the shows um um and w- you can comment on some of these if you want but cool. um rich rich filling in on base for the bronx for a couple shows there was awesome um adam willard filling in for callum in seattle was mm. phenomenal um you doing all the harmonic solo harmonica solos for frank and i still believe had to be a huge mm-hmm. highlight um and then of course there was that acoustic set in charlotte so those were some mm. of the some of the awesome things that i saw there aside from you know every night seeing the bands yeah i mean honestly well rich playing with the bronx but also playing with atom and the bronx mm-hmm. was a massive highlight for me i'm a massive fan of um especially of against me um who yeah. atom plays for or played for i don't know if they're yeah. still going now right. um but we got to the first show we we're up in new england and atom walked backstage and came and he called me by name and he went, oh, hey, Johnny. And he's like, I'm Atten. And I was, I went, uh, yeah, you are. Like, yeah. like, what, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm playing for the Bronx. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to spend like two months with Atten Willard. This uh-huh. is the coolest thing. Yeah. Uh, and he was such a cool guy. But then seeing like uh, Rich up there playing with the Bronx and then like, but also playing with the Bronx with Atten on drums, uh, yeah. it, was, it was such a joy. It was amazing. It's so cool. With the harmonica thing, I, uh, talking about the Brogs, like um, halfway through, well, no, maybe a third way into the tour, um, Frank presented me with my own harmonica because of COVID and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you could, right. like he'd, ha- he'd had um, Doggy, which is a stage runner, run on and just hold a harmonica for him so he could play it. Um, but they've got to a shop and they've given it to me. And they said, I want you to come on and play this like, um, like uh, during the last song. Uh, she's like oh yeah cool that'd be really fun um we did it in sound check and then um after like our set we went to a bar across the way um and with like the person behind the bar was super friendly and she was like giving us shots then the bronx came into the bar and like we were kind of like carried on drinking and partying a bit 
And then I kind of looked at my watch, said, okay, it's time for me to go and sell merch uh, because we have to sell merch uh, after the show. Right. And then, so I just kind of like walked in uh, ready to sell some merch uh, with still with the harmonica in the back pocket, just as Frank was finishing the song. And I was like, no, we're going to wound him up so much. Uh-huh. Luckily he was fine. He saw the funny side of it. But then after that, I did not miss it one uh-huh. time. <laughs> um, wow. So that was, yeah, that was a, it's, it's, yeah, it's still I really enjoy it. I really enjoy that part of the set, but I will never, ever, ever right. make that mistake ever again. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> but it's cool. Like, yeah, damn shots. <laughs> yeah that's it and it's the bronx the bronx do like to party oh, yeah. as well that's the thing well um, that that's it, it, that's the new term right if you go out and get drunk it was it was getting bronxed yeah that's it i know uh, we definitely <laughs> got bronxed uh yeah uh, a few times that's <laughs> all yeah. um yeah. but yeah that thing it was charlotte wasn't it where the yeah. system broke yeah that the the start of that gig was really apparently they've got to the bottom of it they think it was because it was a german like mixing desk that was having an update at midnight in germany it turned to midnight in germany (laughs) it had an update just before it was so they think that's what happened yeah 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 but we still had the sound going to our ears so we kind of like went on stage we have in-ear systems right and so we could hear everything we could hear the guitars hear the drums hear the vocals all fine and it was only when like because people were kind of reacting a bit differently and right. it's kind of like waving almost like waiting <laughs> to stop or like or like trying to signal something. but i was like i don't know everything sounds fine i don't know what, right. what's this going <laughs> on um and then it's only when matt frank's keyboard player kind of shouted george and so i just went like just cut cut the songs and we we're like what what okay um we we and then we went off bad. stage oh yeah that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we went off stage and we were like uh well what like what happens now? And they said, oh, like, we'll, we'll get it fixed. We'll get it fixed. And it, and it was like about five minutes went past. And it was like, well, we're eating into our time. We only get half an hour. Um, so I just grabbed uh, an acoustic guitar and just, um, no, George grabbed the acoustic guitar at the start. And then Joby from the Bronx ran around with his acoustic guitar. It's like I was uh, with mm-hmm. them. And we just jumped into the audience and just played the show in the middle of the audience. Right. Um, which was terrifying and we kind of like blew our voices because we had to sing so loud because we had like no <laughs> microphones or anything like hey. that um but like on retrospect now there's like videos of it um about online uh it was something really unique and it's exactly. definitely a show yeah. that we don't forget yeah so yeah you'll never forget charlotte fun. yeah that's it uh so you have the new album coming out on september 9th primetime entertainment mm. uh what what can you tell us about that you played you tested this material out in the u.s uh how are we feeling? We feeling confident, excited about it? Uh, yeah, I'm excited for people to hear it. I'm always kind of nervous putting stuff out because uh, you always go through that kind of like crippling self doubt and stuff. Sure. Oh, yeah. But I think this is, uh, if you're a Pet Needs fan, I think you're really going to love it. I, I think it's more uh, honest and more personal than anything I've ever written before. To the point that I had to have a sit down conversation with my mum the other day, going like, <laughs> this, kind of like personal stuff coming out. Uh-huh. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's cool. Like, and being in the studio with Frank, we had double the time. We, like, we did everything in five days on our first album mm-hmm. with a guy called Tom Donovan. Uh, but we spent two weeks in the studio uh, with Frank, and we kind of had proper pre-production for it and things. Um, and then it That's got awesome. mastered over um, at Abbey Road, where the Beatles did all their recording. Not which, bad. Uh, yeah, I, so I heard good kind things of... about that place. Oh yes, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah it's kind of like uh like the label have put a lot towards it and stuff and like we've kind of like songwriting uh it was the first time where i ever sat down and knew i was writing an album because mm-hmm. before we already had most of the songs and thought right we'll take these ones we'll take these ones so it was really nice to sit down and think what's the kind of record i want to write um and then it kind of like you could build it up like there and sure. uh, as I think we were coming out of lockdown, I was allowed around my brother's house and we could sit and we could demo all the songs up together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's cool. I think the heavy stuff's like heavier than stuff I've ever done before and the quieter stuff's quieter. Um, but it's also uh, got a couple of features on it, which I'm really excited about that we haven't shared who they are yet, but oh, they'll be coming out in the uh-oh. next couple of weeks. Um, yeah. yeah. And, what a tease. Uh, yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> it's like a couple of artists. One of them's a local artist, uh, 
from Colchester who uh, played a show with us. And when they played a show with us, I was like, I need to get you on a track. And I wrote the track specifically. And the other one is uh, someone who we now... Oh, no, I can't say that. We'll be able to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, the other person is really, really cool as well. Uh Massively respect. Um, So, yeah, I'm so excited for people to hear it. Excellent. Unbelievable. You got Morrissey. That's so cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, This kind of ups the pressure. I mean, having having the label, throwing the support, you know, a couple mm -hmm. weeks to make it. It's like, hey, you got to come up with the goods now that's it that's it and i think uh weirdly when we're going into recording like that actually gave me confidence and i was like yeah i feel like because people the first first time we recorded an album we didn't even know if anyone was going to hear it sure um and especially that's why it's got so many kind of really specific references in it as well like mm-hmm. uh, people ask us about like we've got a song called uh tracy emmons bed um and a lot of people think I'm singing about an ex-girlfriend or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tracy Emin's kind of a contemporary artist over in the UK uh, who did a art piece called like My Messy Bed, which is literally she lifted her bed from her bedroom and put it in like uh, the Turner Gallery. And uh-huh. it sold for like five, five million pounds or something <laughs> like that. Um, five million dollar and- bed. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And uh, so, and there's loads of different things in that first album. Um, and I never thought we'd be playing it like outside of Colchester, mm-hmm, never mind right, outside sure. of the country. Yeah. Um, but this time, yeah, having that kind of backing did give me confidence when uh, writing that, uh, yeah, we can do this. And we've got people that are really respect backing us to do this. I think it could have gone one or two ways because sometimes I get really anxious about things. And so I could have, it, it could I could have really felt the pressure, but at the time it just made me feel super creative. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's yeah, great. I cannot wait for people to hear it. I think people <laughs> will like it. Well, awesome. Um, I'm sure it'll be amazing. Uh so we're gonna pivot now to some Chicago questions. Cool. Um, you know you're super well versed in Chicago after playing there. You made it big there. <laughs> uh there are two real famous varieties of pizza in Chicago. There's the thin crust. Yeah. And there's like deep dish. Uh, did you get a chance to sample either one when you were here? Yes, we did. We we sampled the deep dish and we went, it was something that, because pizza is our uh, drummer Jack, his favorite food of all time. Okay. Okay. And so we sa- we sampled a, 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 like a thinner pizza up in New York and uh, sat in Central Park and ate that. And then we came to sample the deep dish in Chicago and we thought, oh, like they look quite big. So we'll get one pizza between two. Um, and so they ordered a meat one. And then the uh, person that was taking the order said, okay, cool. We'll bring that out. And we're like, oh, no, no, we want another one. As well. And they were like, they were like, okay. <laughs> Why not? Uh, and so they said, can we have a vegetarian one? And they were like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, cool. And so they bought these two out, these two deep dish ones. Um, and they were like huge, like huge, like in both sure. both dimensions, kind of like yeah. really wide, <laughs> really deep as well. Um, and uh, I, I genuinely, I like as a like that's one of the things that I used to um, love when I was working and stuff. One of the things that I would spend money on, I don't spend money on clothes or cars or like uh, even musical instruments. Um, I'd like to go out and sample really, really nice food. Mm-hmm. Um, and this pizza was uh, deep dish pizza was one of the best things I'd ever eaten in my whole entire life. <laughs> We'd even pay him to say that. <laughs> yeah, no. Amazing. <laughs> Saying that, it took me about a month before I fancied another one. Yeah, uh, no, makes I sense. think it was so, it was uh, so dead. It was so yeah. much. Like oh yeah so dense I, yeah i had two slices of it and then uh george had three slices of it then we had some more in the evening and then we had the rest of it for breakfast and <laughs> nice. that's how we got through it that's how it, it works man as well. it's good yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> absolutely and it's um, great yeah so and prior and, to coming oh go ahead and, and if i remember correctly i'm pretty sure you guys had giordano's correct um, I'm not sure. I think so. It was a short sure. walk. So it's in Wrigleyville, a short walk from Wrigley Hostel, mm-hmm. like about a 10 minute walk. I yeah. think, I think that was the one it's on. Yeah. A, yeah. It's on our tour diary. Yeah. Oh, I want to check that out. Yes. Uh, so prior to coming to Chicago, like what were your musical associations with Chicago? Did you have? It? Uh, yeah. So I knew a couple of, um, kind of like punk bands from Chicago, mm-hmm. kind of like, um, like, uh, like rise of gates and alkaline yeah. trio and yeah, things yeah. like that which is cool. Um, 
but then like uh kind of walking around it seems that there was loads of different cultures and loads of different music as well mm-hmm. like there was like cool record shops and stuff that had loads of different music um so yeah it seemed like a really really cool place obviously for me i'm always kind of like looking at where the punk bands are coming from <laughs> sure, and sure. i thought yeah these are kind of like two that i listen to they're from there uh, but then you've also got the rock and roll hall of fame right well it's cleveland is it oh is that cleveland, cleveland oh yeah. cool. yep. they can keep yep. it yep uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> we almost uh, went to it but like yeah we didn't get yep. time I think I forced my dad to take me when I was like 13. We were going through Cleveland and I was like, that was fine. And right. as a 13 yeah. year old saying that was fine. Um, I'm sure it's only gotten better with age. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on. Um, where do I want to go with this? Um, I'm going to skip to it. What, uh, what have you been listening to lately? Anything good? Um, so I've been listening to, um, we played with a band, um, uh, on the tour called AJJ. Mm-hmm. Um, who They're awesome. I absolutely fell in love with as human beings, but also um, like as a band as well. Just like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely fell in love with them. Um, so yeah, I've just been listening to them kind mm-hmm. of religiously. Um, but then kind of um, locally, I've been listening uh, to um, a woman called Bridget, uh, who's really cool. She's just released a single um, like in the last few days, but she sent me kind of her whole EP the other day. Um, and she was amazing. She was kind of, it almost feels like kind of grungy kind of 90s throwback kind of thing, but sure. it feels kind of a bit more modern as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's from Colchester and she's really nice. cool. Um, but then we've just, uh, today I've been listening to, because we've just, uh, we're doing a big headline gig at home um, in December and it's going to be like, the biggest room that we've ever headlined and we were trying to get someone really cool support and um there's a guy he's uh from southampton in the uk he's called sean mm-hmm. mcgowan mm-hmm. and he kind of like plays kind of acoustic kind of folky kind of billy bragg punky kind of stuff sure. um and yep. so today i've just been re-listening to his 2018 album as well um just to remind myself again of how brilliant that is sure uh, so awesome. yeah super excited to be playing with him what have you guys uh, been listening to Oh uh, man, well, I was listening to you today. Um, <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> uh, what else have I been listening to lately? I've been listening to, um, I don't know if you ever listened to Modern Baseball. They were like a Philly kind of like, yeah, pop sure. band. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when they kind of like split up, the uh, one of the main songwriters, he did Slaughter Beach Dog. I don't know if you ever heard of them. Mm. No, um, no. But they're pretty good. They're coming to Chicago in November. Mm-hmm. And so. I was checking them out because a band I really like that's going to be on this pod in a, in a little while called second grade is opening for them on that tour. And so I bought tickets. Cool. And I, I kind of always danced around slaughter beach dog, but I was like, you know, I should probably like finally listen to it considering I'm going to the show and it exceeded my expectations. I don't know why I was like apprehensive about it for a little bit, but mm-hmm. yeah, really good stuff. Nice. Oh, nice. That sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, Alkaline Trio is uh, playing Riot Fest, I think, in a couple weeks here. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, I'll be missing it because I'll be at Lost Evenings 5 in Berlin seeing Pet Needs. So, yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be amazing. It I is. Yeah. 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 That's going to be awesome. Yeah. Oh, so how did that how that come to be? Was that like, hey, we already we dragged you all across the U.S. Now we want to drag you to Germany? <laughs> yeah that's it so we did um we, we've actually this will be our third time back to germany this year uh nice. so we went we did a uh the european tour with frank um already um like earlier this year and then we came back and did a specific german tour with a band called skinny lister mm-hmm. um they're awesome then we came yeah they are so cool then we're doing lost evenings and then it's When's when's this podcast going out? Is it going out after Thursday? Uh, it's, it's, uh, it, no, yes, it's, it will be up after Thursday, probably. We'll, cool, we'll see. Cool. Well, if it if it's after Thursday, then uh, we're also announcing on Thursday that we're going to do some headline gigs in Germany as well um, in nice. November. Oh, sweet. Uh, which isn't announced yet, but that'll be announced on Thursday, okay. which is cool. So that yes, yeah, four <laughs> yeah. times back to it feels like Germany, um, along with America, kind of seems to have really taken to yeah. uh, what we're doing, which is really cool. Uh, so it's, yeah it's going to be good to get out there um but lost evenings is going to be special we played the um played the one in london uh last year 
and uh, that was so much fun over at the Roundhouse in Camden. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ber- Berlin is one of my favorite cities in the world as well. Uh, so yeah, it's gonna be so much fun. I can't wait. Yeah, uh, I have a buddy who lives in Berlin. I'm gonna have to tell him to go. Cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. He lo- he loves that punk music. He'll probably show up. Excellent. See, nice. His name's Ramy. Just you'll know that I sent him. Yeah. Uh, cool. Cool. So. We got two questions left for you. Number one, sure. We are huge fans of cheap drinks. We're talking like PBR, you know, bottom of the well uh liquor. Any, any bad drink yeah. you can give us, we want it. Uh what is your go-to cheap drink? Um, I think my go-to cheap drink. Well, like <laughs> um I used to drink like um, I went for a phase of kind of like sneaking this thing called Cactus Jack into the cinema, um, okay. which is like a apple kind of like really sour. <laughs> I haven't done it for many years now, but it's like an apple sour kind of liqueur thing. Love it, um, love it. And I, I remember going to my friend to see one of the Saw movies and you know, kind of like sneaking that in. Um, <laughs> but then also now I think uh, maybe t- some of the Polish lager. That um, we've got, okay. like, we have uh, lots of Polish shops around here, and some of the Polish lager, maybe a uh, Tisky is a really good one, okay. uh, which you get for really cheap over in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. So yeah, but then I've started getting it's uh, uh, started getting into drinking a bit of a uh, white rum and just topping up with orange juice as well at home because okay. I, I, like I feel it. like I'm feel like I'm getting my vitamins in as well. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you just get um, some cheap white rum and do orange juice. I'd, I'd like to applaud you for the most unique cheap drink. You're up there with, uh, we interviewed Julia from Rat Boys. I don't know if you know Rat Boys, yeah. but she was saying rat's blood's her go-to, which is room temperature uh, grape juice, room temperature vodka, equal parts. Mm-hmm. Wow, really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. I, I, I did it one time and I was like, that's, got, that's good. It's a tasty <laughs> one. I'm going to have to try Captain no Jack. Or cactus jack excuse me yeah cactus jacks it's like a it's a i don't even think it'd be called a liqueur it's just like a like you get it from the cheapest shops in the uk <laughs> and it's like a kind of like apple sour kind of thing okay yeah well, Mar- well i'm gonna have to find it mark this yeah. this, w- this would be an appropriate time to mention that that johnny has drank malort before so okay and he's still alive he's still with yes, us yes indeed yes in seattle in seattle yes Oh yeah. man, I had intended to to bring it to the Chicago show for them to try, and I forgot, so I brought it out to Seattle. So, well, uh, mm. you're a good or bad friend. People <laughs> feel yeah. about that. Yeah, that was definitely a unique experience. It was that that it is. <laughs> uh, so our last question is, um, what's what's on the horizon? So you guys got some big shows coming up. In mm-hmm. Germany and and touring the UK at the end of the year, are we starting to work a LP three already on the docket? What are we What are we doing up up next? Yeah, so we've got a, f- a few songs of album three kind of um, like floating about at the moment. They haven't they they're not kind of uh, they're at the point where they're still with me at the moment. Mm-hmm. So I've got kind of like maybe okay. four or five. Um, but at the moment, all the kind of energy is going to be thrown behind album two because they're songs that um, because of lockdown, we've not massively been able to play them live. Um, mm. So it's kind of we're going back into the practice room on Thursday um, to relearn album two. Uh-huh. Uh, we, spent, <laughs> we spent so long playing album one now and yeah, uh, sure. getting that out because we kind of been touring fractured party music. We've done over 100 shows now this year, just touring and hammering those songs. Uh we started putting one song, like one song from album two, into the uh, into the set, but maybe mm-hmm. it was just fractured party music ones. Um, and so, yeah, just getting album two out there and touring album two, I'm just so excited for people to hear it. And then um, just continually writing as well. Definitely, I want to try mm-hmm. and take a third album uh, if that's the next choice. Uh, into uh, in a slightly kind of like different direction, explore some other things as well. Um, but at the moment, our main focus is just getting this second album out because I'm so excited for people to hear it's it. Amazing, awesome! Uh, Primetime Entertainment, September 9th. Yep, that's the one. That's yep. the one. Hell yeah! What about um, w- w- what? What about uh, plans to visit y- the U.S. again, and and more specifically, Chicago? So there's definitely plan. There's nothing set in stone at the moment. That there's definitely talks about us coming back before our visas run out. And our visas run out kind of next June time. Okay. Um, so we're at the point in the moment where there's been 
no official offers, but people are like, yeah, it'd be really good if we could get you out again before next June, mm-hmm. uh, which would be amazing. Yeah. It'd be awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're definitely to come back. Good. Well, you keep us posted. We want to see you again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Cool. Um, well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it, um, especially with the time difference and everything over there in England. Yep. So it's awesome. Hope you have a wonderful evening. And uh, we look forward to hearing more and hearing the full album come September 9th. Nice one. Cool. Oh, thanks so much. Really good to see you. And Tom, I'll see you in a couple of weeks, mate. Yes, indeed. Thanks so much for listening today. We are No Wristbands. We drink for free. Music, of course, has been provided by Merlin Wall. Please check them out on Spotify or on Bandcamp. Please also subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at No Wristbands and check out our website at NoWristbands.com. 